Welcome to Bar Down Breakdown. I'm your host, Devin Robinson, live from Emo Build. Oh, wait, this isn't Devin Robinson. My bad. I'm your host, Mikey Ryan, live from CLT with my buddy, Tommy V, holding it down for Bar Down. I'm sure people are wondering who the heck this guy is. I didn't really even <laughs> introduce you, but yeah. our boy Devin, it's it's the start of the hockey season. We know that Devin is just slammed beyond belief and he's pulling all nighters to get shirts out to people and bar down just needs to, to keep trucking along. So we're going to have you Tom on as kind of just a, an album reviewer for this episode. And it just worked out perfectly. Devin was slammed and I get to talk with my best friend for uh, a little over an hour. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, for uh, sure. Me too, man. Me too. Tom and I go way back. We are both from the same hometown on Long Island. Uh, Both of us currently do not live on Long Island. We live in Charlotte and then Orlando. So it's kind of crazy where our lives have taken us. But, you know, one thing that always keeps bringing us back together is hockey and music. And and we have a platform to talk about it. So um, very excited to pick your brain the next yeah. couple minutes and uh we have a, a really sweet interview lined up that you are a little connected to so uh <laughs> excited to to hear uh from our guest and also just to to chat so tom what else do the people need to know about you oh boy um well i mean well i'm I gonna guess... interrupt you because i oh. don't really care Oh, man. Well, all you need to know is Antigone's Revenge was Ugh. our hometown local <laughs> band. And Tom was the lead singer slash drummer trying to do yeah. like a Aaron Galipsy kind of thing. Sure. So uh, yep. he tried. I some did of, try. Yeah. Some, of, uh, some of his songs are still on my rotation. And every once in a while, they'll show up on, you know, my iTunes. And I just instantly go back to going to like vp south to watch oh. you play or a bowling you know, alley or whatever it was <laughs> back in the day I, I listened back to those songs um not very recently but like probably a couple of years ago and man some of the stuff just like was making me cringe because it was just like really raw like stuff that you sang about and cared about when you were 16 and 17 and just like couldn't be any more like transparent and like sad and whiny but i mean don't get me wrong man i i loved it when i was doing it but listening back to it i'm like oh this does not hold up well yuck yeah but at the same time <laughs> how many amazing memories you have from those shows like oh i just remember you played at a, sh- a, a venue in patchog that was like a ute center oh and... yeah yeah uh the the wave it was called the wave no oasis it was either the Oasis one of or the those. Wave. Yeah. And you played with that band Madison Prep. Awesome oh bands from Long Island from back in the day. Yeah. And I remember our buddy Sal picked me up and we drank four locos to the venue, drank Ugh. them in the venue, and then home from the venue. Not smart, but just never forget how many four locos I drank. <laughs> So. I'll tell you. I'll tell you another another real quick funny Antigone's Revenge story. I don't know if you were there for it, but 
there's a battle of the bands we were playing at Malloy College and uh, Malloy College for those of you that might not know what that is it's a uh, it's a Catholic college and um, so we're we're playing our show um, our my our friend our mutual friend Jr is there and he's in the crowd and he's getting rowdy and he got so rowdy that they kicked him out and they kicked him out and um, our singer Enrique was uh, wearing like a button-down shirt, and under that shirt, he had a shirt on that had a bunch of expletives on it. Essentially, it said "f u you f and f." And they told him, if he takes his button-down shirt off, we will be disqualified. And as soon as Jr. got kicked out, he promptly took his button-down shirt off, and we got disqualified, and we got our amp shut off right in the middle of our set. Uh, and it made me feel like a rock star that day because I was like, "Oh man, we're getting censored! Like, screw the man! I'm..." I'm 17. This is we should be able to wear all the stupid shirts we want. And it was uh it was something else, man. I'll never forget that experience and they finally let JR back into the venue like when the next band was playing and he was like I don't I don't care about this. Just ridiculous things that I, I did as a as a young kid, man, but being in that band was was one of some of the most fun things I've ever done, for sure. Yeah. And then also, you know, not just going to see your band, but I can't even tell you how many other bands that we have seen together, and oh. uh, you're you're always my my go to 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 find out what's going on in the music world. Yep. But as of late, I feel like I might have kind of uh, taken over that role. I feel like I'm pretty current and up to date with things. I'm pretty impressed with myself. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, you know, growing up you were always kind of like one step behind it. And I always remember making fun of you because you were so, um, you were so set in your ways. And like, I would tell you about a band and you just like brush it off. And then three months later, you'd come back to me and you'd be like, you ever heard of this band? And I'd be like, yeah, man, I told you about them three months ago. And you'd be like, Oh, I don't remember that. But I got to tell you, yeah, man. You know, I think in one of the things is probably, for you doing this podcast is is really kept you you current because um there's a lot of new great music that's uh, on the horizon you know including uh you know the the record we'll be talking about but there's just so much great music out there that um you know you do yourself a disservice by not trying to keep up and i know it's hard to keep up because there's a million labels and a million bands but I, I got to tell you, I'm impressed, man. You, you've definitely, you know, you've done your homework and you're you're branching out. And it's a good thing, man. It's, you know, I'm proud of you, my little Mikey Ryan, growing up. Yeah, I just, I just appreciate the good music. Even though these guys that are in some of the bands that are coming out are 10, even maybe even, you know, 15 years younger than me. Yes. And they're, they're just killing it. When I'm thinking about these you know, some of these bands, their first recording and how great they sound compared yeah. to some of, yeah. you know, think about it, like early November's EP for, you know, for all of this, yeah. that recording's not the greatest. No, it's not at all. It's not, not at, at all. all. Nope. And, and then, you know, these bands are coming out there 17, 18 years old. You know, the story so far wasn't the lead singer 17 or 18 on their first yep. album. Yeah. P Parker was a young man. And I mean, and that's the thing, you know, back in, Back in the day, it used to be a rite of passage. Like, you know, the first record you'd put out always sounded like crap because you didn't have the money to go to a, um, you know, a multi, you know, million dollar studio and you didn't have the money to spend two weeks tracking and retracking. It was usually just like, okay, 
our buddy's going to record this. We're going to do it in one day. It's going to sound the way it sounds. And, and, you know, if we screw up recording, oh, well, you know, it's, it's, that's punk rock, man. You know, it's supposed to sound that way. But, um, but I think a lot of it is owed to that big, um, that big surge in music that came, you know, bands like, you know, Fall Out Boy and Paramore and My Chemical Romance that like took this kind of music and made it even more marketable than it was, but really drove it into like radio play. I mean, like, you know, now, you know, someone will be willing to give a new upcoming band 50 grand to record a record because they know that it'll pay them dividends. So some of what it is, is that this music is sellable. It's relatable, but, um, you know, people are taking chances on bands where, you know, I can't imagine if someone would ever have taken a chance on Antigone's Revenge when I was 17, but like, you know, that's what it is. These young bands are are getting better at their instruments, writing better music. They have more of a talent pool and they're able to, you know, really write music that can sell records. And I think that's the, that's the thing that's, you know, really driving some of this is records are selling, man. They really are. I, I wouldn't say necessarily, records are selling but like streams are selling and bands are yeah that's what i that's what i should say yeah exactly like you know records themselves probably aren't selling anymore but like this music like the the ethos around this music is sellable it's you know there are there are kids that that you know hunger for this they salivate for this kind of stuff and that's why um you know a band like the story so far you know, has their, their lineage and the music they've written and the records they've written, like they are probably the kind of the archetypal thing to look at because people have loved them since their infancy and people only are loving them more and more as they grow with each record, which is a great thing because, you know, back when we were younger, if a band had a crazy departure from their sound, people were just like, nah, I'll go listen to, you know, one of the other bands that sounds like what I want. But, you know, people are growing with musicians now, which I think is, is such a great thing. And it's coming from young ages, you know, it's coming from, you know, kids, 15, 16. Yeah. Well, think about the, the new grayscale album. I'm not sure if you got a chance to listen to it, but that band is just doing it right. You know, they, they they put out their typical like pop punk album to start, but Mm -hmm. their, their new album that they just dropped. Nella Vita is just Mm -hmm. so amazing and mature and they're they they went out of the box on a bunch of songs and i'm a huge fan of it so that being said i'm also a huge fan of this band that we have on our show tonight and who who isn't a fan of this band man (laughs) yeah so keep flying i've talked about this band numerous times on the podcast we have their drummer peter on on the show tonight to to fill us in on kind of one of the more underrated but at the same time most talked about bands in the scene right now so i'm super excited to talk with peter and uh hear what's up with keep flying i know they got a a pretty huge cross-country full u.s tour coming up and uh also excited to hear about your buddy who's also in the band so why don't you uh lead us in um, yeah, I mean, uh, one of my, one of my great, great buddies, John Ryan, who, I mean, if, if, if you don't know him, you recognize him when you see him. I mean, he's got these humongous gauges, he's got tattoos all over himself. And I mean, like, 
you might take a look at him and think that he's, you know, imposing, but there's not been a nicer, sweeter person, I think, that I know. Um, I mean, the man can strike up a conversation with anyone. He's a riot to be around. I mean, I, I can – I'll save the story for when we're, we're, we're talking uh, a little more. But, I mean, you know, I've, I've shared, you know, some short trips to go to shows with him and, you know, have, have hung out with him, you know, for days and played kickball with him. And uh, he's just – He's just a fantastic guy, and he's been in all these different bands, uh, you know, from going back to being super young. But it looks like with Keep Flying, he's really found something that makes him happy, keeps him fulfilled. And, I mean, if you've ever seen a Keep Flying show, I mean, no one's having more fun than he is. So no, really just just a Not awesome just him, guy. the whole band. Dude, oh, yeah. One of the best, <laughs> best live shows I've ever seen. And I'm not Truly. just saying that because Peter's on. So yeah. super excited to, to just pick Peter's brain about it. And uh, yeah. let's get to it. Cool. Let's do it, man. In the box with Peter Vriones from Keep Flying. Pete is uh, the the I guess the percussion backing for Keep Flying. So Pete, <laughs> that, that's it. <laughs> Pete, how are you doing, man? I feel great, man. How you doing? Good. So you you just got back from a, a small little weekend gig up in yeah. uh, Vermont, New Hampshire. Yeah. So we did uh, Burlington, Vermont, Brattleboro, Vermont. Portland, Maine, and Manchester, New Hampshire. All four places which we love going to. Now, I would assume that a lot of tours don't go there. Is that correct? Um, or I, I would say you're correct. I mean, we play smaller markets. As of now, we play smaller markets pretty much everywhere, but it doesn't seem like there's, like, bigger venues in any of those markets, you know? So, I mean, especially, like, Brattleboro, Vermont. Like that's a tiny town, but uh, our friend Stacy used to book house shows for us where we'd bring in like literally like a hundred kids, and it was awesome. And uh, pieces of that are still there, so we love going back to Brattleboro, and it was a lot of fun. We do well there. Nice. So yeah. you guys are just constantly on the road. That's like your thing, huh? Yeah, I think we tour like I think this year we did like one sixty something shows. Holy cow. Yeah, we got a lot. We're not done yet. I still got like 40 shows left in the year, I think. But then how, how do you guys do all the other stuff that you're doing? Are you ever home? Um, yeah, I mean, like 
when I'm home, I drive Uber for work. Nice. Um, a couple of my just, other guys. Just being, like, a, 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 being a millennial, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one of my, my guitar player, Charlie, drives Uber. Uh, John tours full time, as you may know, like with other yeah. bands, he TMs people. Um, Chuck works construction and Henry, my singer does, uh, he works at quick check, which is like a store around here. And, um, he works at a nursing home in the kitchen. Um, nice. That's what I do to support myself pretty much. Yeah. So I I got a quick question for you. So I I know you guys are kind of like from a hodgepodge of different places. I know obviously you got long Island, New York, Jersey, Pennsylvania. I mean, can you walk us through like how how did Keep Flying become? Okay, so um, I know Henry because he played in a band called Survey Says, who was like a New Jersey-based ska band. Um, and I would go see his band play all the time. And with his band, there was a band called Refuse the Conformity. Uh, that was like a northeastern Pennsylvania like pop punk band, basically. And that's how I met Charlie, uh, my guitar player. Um, so I basically I met them through going to see Henry's old band, who I loved. We became friends. I started gigging uh, with Survey when they needed like a drummer fill in, which was very often. I probably played about 100 to 120 shows with them. Oh, Oh. Yeah. Um, and then John, I met just through, I guess, going to shows. I think I met him because he would work for bands that I would go see and just a lot of mutual friends. Yeah. Um, and then Chuck, our bass player, we met because he toured with a band called Something More from Baltimore. He was filling in. Okay. And um, our bass player left the band just to do like real life. Our bass player, Michael Coulson. And um, we were like, Chuck, like, fill in for us. And he was like, all right, cool. And uh, he basically just stuck around, and now he's official. Cool. And uh, how, how is it for you guys, um, like, trying to get together and rehearse? Because, I like, I, I remember when I lived on Long Island, uh, you know, I was in a band with a, a buddy of mine who lived in Brooklyn, and trying to get into Brooklyn and getting everyone together was just, like, a nightmare. So I can't imagine how three states of different people are Man, able to, like, kind of coalesce and do it, honest, you know? I gotta be honest, we don't really rehearse, like... That's so like, punk rock. Okay, so we leave, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Um, we leave for tour, like the, our big tour, we're going out with a band called uh, Home Safe, Kayak Jones, and Young Culture. We sure. leave October 16th uh, to mid-December, and we're getting together on October 15th to just kind of go over the set a couple times and... That's really it. I mean, to be honest with you, man, we play enough shows where it's like we don't really get rusty. You know? Yeah, I was just going to say that because you had said you, you had what? Already this year, 160 shows. Is that what you said? Something like that, yeah. And then, and then you still got another 40 to go. So essentially gigging is practice. Yes, we play <laughs> a lot of shows. Yeah, 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 sure. And I, and I noticed, um, you know, I was kind of lo- checking checking out, uh, uh, you know, kind of where you guys are going next. And I know you guys are landing in uh, in Toronto for Blackout Fest, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I'll wait. Yeah. That should be a good time, man. I was looking at the lineup there. I know you got the, the, the Seaway boys playing who are always, always fun. And, um, um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with them. You, you might be, but, uh, that band, the Penske file, have you listened to the Penske file? Never listened. What kind of music Ooh. is it? 
Oh, they are so good, man. They're kind of like um, sort of in the, I guess, in the vein of like what you might say the Menzingers are kind of like that, um, that not quite pop punk, but like very kind of fluid, um, you know, sort of like kind of punk rock with harmonies and stuff, man. If you get a sure. chance to check out the the, Pen, the Penske file. Um, they're a great show. Great stuff, man. I, I caught them at Fest one year and, and have never looked back there. They're awesome, man. But uh, that's a that's a it's an awesome fest you guys are playing, man. I hope you guys have a great time. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, our buddy Jamie puts it on every year. Uh, he plays in a band called Harbor, and uh, they're great. So yeah, can't wait to play. Should be very cool. cool. Awesome. Now you, you're you, we've already talked about how you're you're constantly on the road, but you guys just finished a, a pretty big tour with Real Friends. You know, Real Friends is killing it right now. So. Uh, how did that tour go? That was cool. I think we did like anywhere from nine to like 12 days. I don't really remember how long it was, but I know it was cool. Um, <laughs> all the shows went really well. A lot of people at every show. Um, real friends are straight up some of the nicest people I've ever met. Uh, got along with them really, really well. Um, the crowd reaction to the band every night was surreal. Um, I was, all of us were pretty much blown away with it. Um, yeah, we were just all really, really happy. I, w- I would love to tour with them again, uh, if possible. I- honestly, man, I just like making new friends, too. Like, I consider all of them my friends now, and I think that's tight, you know? Yeah, dude, because you guys just radiate positivity, and people want to be around other positive people. And I appreciate I- that. Yeah, and, you know, we have, haven't necessarily met in person, but I went to uh, the, the Charlotte gig in June. Charlotte, North Carolina, when you guys were here in in June. And I wouldn't say it was a packed house, but it was, you know, 30, 40 people. But every single person that left there just felt like just happy. Like, honestly, like, and you don't necessarily always feel that way leaving a punk show, like a pop punk show. Right. But you guys can just, I like as a fan, you could just see that you guys really enjoy doing this and you're not in it to just like, be the next big pop punk band you're doing it because you love it and love making those relationships and it was totally evident i really appreciate that yeah like as a band man first and foremost we want to be happy doing what we do like if i'm not going to be happy i don't want to do it anymore you know um and i think that we all get along so well that like i think other people can see that and we're all we're all like not shy people, um, so the way we act at home, and when it's just us, is pretty much what what you see is what you get. Like it's the way we're gonna be at the gig, on stage, after the show, loading out, all that. We're usually a very happy, fun bunch of people. I'd like to think. Yeah, I mean, have you like so? Have you ever yourself seen one of those kind of meltdowns where like a band is like just at their wits end with one another and it like boils over on stage. Like, have you ever seen it happen yourself? Um, yeah. And it's always very uncomfortable. Isn't it? Yeah. Because everyone's like, uh, I don't know what's going on. You know, I remember, um, I mean, I remember that, that, that famous story of, uh, of, uh, the, this poor drummer that, um, and I think he might've been the drummer of that band, 
patent pending, but uh, oh, dude, the Atari situation. The Ataris, remember that where he like just like started throwing his kit at him, dude. Yeah, so that's our Brutal. friend Rob, and he played guitar in patent pending. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And um, he was playing drums for the Ataris. That was actually in Jersey, and um. I don't know. I think like something happened on stage. It was so long. Ago, I don't really remember, but I remember the video dude and yo, the dude from the Ataris, the singer was just like threw his drum kit at him. And I was like, yeah. yo, what the hell's going on right now? Full on rampage, man. I, I'll never forget that video. And you know, I, and it's funny because you know, I'm, I'm 32 and I always grew up so fond of the Ataris. And I was like, Man, Blue Skies, Broken Hearts, what a great record. End is Forever, what a great record. So long a story, like, I love them. And then, like, I kind of saw this, like, kind of sad, bitter, angry person that, like, Chris Rowe became. And that was just, like, the antithesis of it all. It was the cherry on top when I saw that happen. And I was just like, man, like, yeah. imagine being that unhappy, like, doing what you used to love to do and, like, having to come to grips with that and like it manifesting in a full on tantrum, like no one would ever want to get to that place. So, you know, I just, you know, love to hear that. Like you guys are actually having fun doing what you're doing. Cause you know, no one wants to throw their drum set at somebody. I don't know. Oh yeah. It's crazy yeah. to me. Yeah. I, I hate all that. We, we all try to be as happy as we possibly can be. Um, which is very happy most of the time. And, um, Man, like, if you don't want to be there, don't be there. Like, we, we, we've had conversations where it's like, hey, man, like, no hard feelings. If you're not feeling well, mentally, physically, emotionally, yeah. any of that, if you're not happy, man, if you'd rather be home working, please take the time off and you can do that. You know, that's sure. fine. Because we are a happy band. And, and if you're not happy, why are you doing it? You know, Absolutely. We, have a, we have a bumper sticker on Old Red, our van. We got from the Ben and Jerry's uh, factory in Vermont. And it says, if it's not fun, why do it? And that's pretty much how the band is right now. That's the mantra. I love it, man. Yeah. So I guess there's there's a lot of hype around Keep Flying. And I'm not sure if you're even aware of it, but I, I keep seeing you guys popping up everywhere. And the the thing that I'm kind of questioning is, you know, you guys have all these connections, you know, I would imagine John Ryan knows a million people. Uh-huh. I just, I, are you guys by choice not signing with a label? Um, I, I mean, here's And you're the thing. just in, like, in I, like doing it the DI, DIY kind of way and just. We're doing it a very DIY way right now. Um, all of us have some sort of, you know, connections with people. Um, John obviously has a lot, but. We don't want to use and abuse connections to make something of ourselves because people can see right through that shit, man. You see bands who, who you know, they know people and, and they're, you know, where they live and, oh, I know this record executive. We're going to sign a deal with them. And it's like people see it and are like, who the hell are you? You've played 10 shows and you got this major label deal. That shit is crazy to me. Um, so right now we're doing everything very DIY. We're not going to sign a label and unless it's the right label and something that we're comfortable with. Um, I mean, honestly, man, right now, as far as, as we all can see it, like everything is going only up doing it the way we're doing it. So 
why would we want to fuck with or, or change the formula that we already have? You know, um, I've seen like I, I listen to a lot of rap music and I see these rappers who like have so much potential and um, are so good and they're on the up and up. And all of a sudden, like they sign a 360 deal and their career is over, you know, and, and we don't want to do that. We don't want to sign a, a bad deal. Um or or hire anyone who like we don't know that that's gonna suck for us. Like we do all the social media ourselves, uh, we do all the booking ourselves. Um, most of the photography and videos are our best friend Jesse. Uh, he's just a friend of the band um, for a long time, and our merch guy Rick. So like you know we don't have anyone working for us. We don't really work for anybody. Um, so right, right now, man, it's, if it's only going up, why change it? You know? Yeah, I could feel it. And, and like in 2019, it's kind of a, a whirlwind. You, you, you see bands doing it themselves. Now bands that used to be on majors are now doing it independent. And, you know, if you have the music, you can get it out to people. And if it's, and if it's solid music, people are going to listen to it. So if, 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 if it's working for you guys, keep at it because, you know, obviously people are showing up to your shows and you're getting on these big, you know, tours. And, uh, as you said, it's just on the up and up for you. And I'm super excited because I'm a fan. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. I have, uh, I have one actually quick question. And, uh, um, you know, just, um, I would say about maybe two or three weeks ago, I finally caught, um, the video from Miranda which is really something else. I just kind of wanted to ask you a little bit about it. I mean, kind of what went on with the concept of that? Did, were you involved in kind of the creation of that? And like what, you know, kind of what's behind that? Man, I got to be honest, dude. I, I personally take zero credit for that video. Um, okay. That video was – so basically the thought behind um, the videos from that EP are – and I believe there's, there's two videos left that we have to do. Okay. Um, but we're going to take each member of the band and use them for one video. So like I did a video for, I always knew our bass player did a video for uh high cholesterol. John did the Miranda video. Um, oh, okay. That's super yeah. cool. I love that concept. That's great. Yeah, yeah no, it's sick. And, um, yeah. basically that's all John and Jesse, who is our photographer, videographer, basically, um, the, the head content creator for the KF train. Okay. Um, but dude, I love that video. That shit looks crazy. It does. It does. And that's why I wanted to ask you about it, man. It's, it's, um, the more I think about it, I mean, that kind of seems like something that might come out of John's ridiculous noggin. Uh, yep. but, uh, <laughs> but I mean like, you know, now that I'm, I'm kind of understanding more about the concept about it, that's, uh, that's really cool. And that's something like, I can't really say, I've heard of a lot of other bands kind of embarking on like making a visual representation of each song on a, on a given record, but also like having kind of a cohesive vision. So I think that's like a really cool component, you know, that kind of transcends the, just the music of it. So super cool. I think that's really rad. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We, we try. And, um, man, I, I can't knock my boy, Jesse, bro. The, the guy who creates all the content, Jesse Red Hat, Mm-hmm. He's honestly a genius, man. He he does the vast majority of the ideas and 
and videos and different shots and stuff. We just recorded um, a video for one of our new songs, Bargaining. And um, I just, I can't wait for that one to come out. I think it's on par slash better than the Miranda video. So Awesome. Yeah, Very cool. Really, Looking really forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, it should be cool. So what else do we have to look forward to? You, you got the, the full U.S. tour. You just said that you're, you're uh, dropping a new video for Bargaining. And then what else? What else you uh, got? All right. So we got the full U.S., baby. We got, Hell yeah. um, we got this weekend. Which what, When is this podcast coming up? Uh, <laughs> hopefully uh, as soon as possible. Hopefully like right around the start of the season. Um Unfortunately, our, our normal co-host is super slammed because he runs like an independent hockey clothing line. That rocks, so, bro. Yeah, so the fact that the season's starting up, orders just keep flowing in, and it's all like DIY where he, he basically does all the designing and printing himself. Right. So as more and more orders keep flowing in, his time just keeps dwindling away. Man's right. got to get an employee or something. Yeah, that, damn, bro. All yeah, right, so, it does it all. So this weekend, so if you want to travel to the past when you're listening to this, we're going to be in <laughs> Virginia and Four Chord Music Festival with a bunch of cool bands. Um, December, no, I'm sorry, not December, shit. Uh, October 16th to December 7th, we're doing our first full U.S. tour. Uh, my birthday is November 10th. We're going to go to Disneyland. I'm very excited. Nice. Um, Hell yeah. Let's see what else. Uh, we got two songs that are pretty much ready to be released um so that'll be cool we are doing a seven inch with bargaining and those two songs uh we have the video for bargaining coming out we also have two videos shot and done for those two songs which will be coming out um nice a lot of stuff man yeah keep, keep your eyes peeled i i'm i'm very excited i can't wait so are you going to try to release those two new songs in the seven inch right around the time of the full U.S., I'm guessing? I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the plan, yeah. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good, man. I'm super pumped for all that. And then yeah, rock and roll should be fun. People are probably wondering where we're going to tie this into hockey. But my boy Pete Peter is also a, a hockey fan. And uh, you, you grew up in Jersey, right? I did, yeah. I lived in Jersey my whole life. All right, so our first New Jersey Devil fan. Rock and roll, that's, bro. That's pretty exciting. I'm, I'm fired up. Let's go, Devils. Yeah. So in, in the in the future, we we uh we have lined up actually uh, one of the guys from the Gaslight Anthem, mm -hmm. and they actually have the the goal song for the Devils, but the Devils are thinking about changing that did you hear that news that the devils I, are doing kind of like a not. fan vote i did not that's kind of sad it is kind of sad so what is what are the other options you have any idea uh, i i know that um the the gas gaslight anthem song did make it to the finals uh-huh i want to say it's like a naughty by nature song maybe are they jersey naughty i don't by know nature? i never even heard of them what yeah, you said you're into hip-hop and rap, and you don't know Naughty by Nature? No, dude, I listen to, like, Lil Pump. Like, bad rap, bro. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea. Let me see. Yeah, Naughty, Naughty by Nature is, they're from, yeah, East Orange, man. They're, they're, they're Jersey guys. Oh, word. Yeah, that's, like, 20 minutes from me. Damn. All right. So, yeah, I think it's between those two, if I'm not mistaken. But 
it is kind of sad that the the devil's trying to vote out the gaslight anthem right before we have him on the podcast. But yeah, either sucks. way, it does suck. But either way, you you still tend to to make it out to Devils games. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. Probably. Oh yeah. Look at this. It's Naughty by Nature and Gaslight Anthem, bro. I'm gonna vote for Gaslight right now, dude. <laughs> Rock and roll. So um. Yeah. I I go to a lot of Devils games. Um. Probably. Uh, it depends what you consider a lot. Probably anywhere from like ten to twenty a season, I make it out to maybe fifteen to twenty. Um, just because like tickets are so cheap. Um, I'm in a bunch of. You know, I don't want to give away my secrets or nothing here, but I'm in a bunch of Facebook groups for like Devils season ticket holders and people who have tickets that are just trying to get rid of them. So like, man, I haven't paid more than. Ten dollars for a Devils game for myself in a long time. Um, so I'll usually get a ticket off there, um, and just kind of go and sit downstairs somewhere, you know. Um, that and like I only live like a half hour from the stadium. Um, and like I said, I drive Uber. So like, if I'm driving Uber and I end up around Newark and the Devils are playing, I'm ten out of ten going to go to the game because I can get a ticket for. 10 bucks and work after and make the money back for my ticket and food in a half hour, you know? Sounds like a, sounds like a genius plan. It, rocks. Whipped up. it, it honestly rocks. Wow. And, and it's a well, arena. I'm, I'm sure that the, the new arena is way nicer than when they used to play in the Meadowlands, right? Yeah. So the Prudential Center is, or the, the rock as the, the fans call it, um, it really is beautiful. Um, there's not a bad seat in the house. I've, I've sat pretty much, I think, everywhere in the stadium. Um, it is gorgeous. The lighting is great. The food is great. Um, they have, like, a bunch of jerseys around everywhere, like all the old Devils jerseys. The high, the high school teams from the area, their jerseys are up there. Uh, there's a big mural showing pretty much, like, Devils, but also New Jersey sports in general. Um, so that's really cool. Um, the Continental Airlines Arena, which later became the IZOD Center, um, which is where they used to play in East Rutherford, New Jersey. I have like very, very fond memories of there, of course, because my aunt used to have season tickets and like, dude, they were on the red line, like the red line, like center ice. And it was like 10 rows up. It was honestly like amazing. So my father and I would go with her all the time. And that was when, dude, I was going to like, man, every other Devils game, at least when they played there. So I loved it there. But also like it was definitely like getting run down and time to move, you know? Yeah. And it's nice to have its its own building, its own identity. And, you know, that's kind of what Jersey was missing. You know, technically, I know that the Giants and Jets play in Jersey, but they they have New York slapped in front of it. So, like, the Devils are your team. So it's Oh, yeah, nice. 100%. It's nice to have their, you know, their own building that they built in their own location. And, you know, they have the, the train that goes right there. So, you know, that's convenient for people. And I, I've been to two games there and i i've only had great experiences there yeah 
Yeah, I love it there. And if you're lucky uh, and you walk through the sections downstairs uh, and you go to the set, like at center ice um, on both sides, there's like an all exclusive or all you can eat, like exclusive club. Uh, I think it's called the fire lounge and the ice lounge or something. And um, it's like, you got to pay through the nose for it, but like it's free food and free drinks and all that stuff. And if you're lucky and you sneak into that section, um, a lot of times the ushers aren't checking tickets. So I've gotten free food and like free soda a lot of times. So that rocks. That's a little insider information for you. Dude, you got all those tricks. Oh, it rocks, bro. I, come on. <laughs> I don't pay for parking. I don't pay for food. Nothing. Come on. All right, Peter, I, I got a question for you, man. Let's, let's take a, a quick trip down memory lane. So game six, 2000. Yes. Walk me through. Where were you? What do you remember? All right. So I was, oh, my God, bro, five years old. Um, I was at my aunt's house in New York. Okay. And she had like this big media room, right? Um, with like a big, like projector TV. Um, hold on one second. Yeah. So she had a big media room with like a big projector TV and like, I was there. Both my parents were there. Both my aunts and uncles were there. Everyone were there, and I'm pretty sure it was the Dallas Stars, right? We beat, it was, yep. yep. Yeah, so I remember sitting in that room with a bunch of food, and everyone was screaming the entire time at the projector. Everyone was <laughs> screaming and freaking out, and I just know that the Devils won. I remember nothing about the game, but I remember being like, wow. Like, I, I'll never forget moments like that, you know? And, um, and you know, it's fun. And it's funny because it's like, I mean, so you said you were what, you were five years old, you said, right? Yeah. So, I mean, like, so you just get like the, the kind of jolt of energy, you know, and like, you might not even remember the specifics about it, but you just remember like that, that palpable energy. And I think that's, that's one of the most unbelievable things about hockey in general is, is just, is that the energy that surrounds all of it. I mean, it's just like, I feel like there are no no more like really truly passionate fans than I mean in America and Canada, I should say, let's call it North America. Cause you know, soccer and passionate fans, of course, around the world, but yeah. in terms of just here, you know, in America and Canada, I mean, it's just like nobody cares more than hockey fans. So, I mean, it's just like the elation that you get. And I mean, you know, me and Mikey being Islander fans, I mean, like we've, unfortunately we've you know we we've not yet seen our cup you know but uh right. i mean I, I can't speak for mikey but i can speak for myself like i know like when they finally raise it up like i'm i'm probably gonna be crying you know like it's just like just that overcoming you know thinking of all the time you spent pouring your heart and soul into this team and like it finally coming to fruition it's like you know i i can almost taste the metal on that cup myself man so it's it's a really, really emotional, raw thing, man. Super. Oh, yeah. Super oh, I cool. I completely agree, man. And especially when I was younger, bro, the memories I have of the New Jersey Devils are just amazing. Oh, it's all happy, all happy times for me, basically. Because, I mean, when I was younger, like, and I was into it, that's when, like, they were winning, bro. Like, they won mm -hmm. in 95, 2000, 2003. So yep. when I was younger, I was like, damn, the New Jersey Devils really are the shit, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And and now we have uh, Lou Lamorello, who is basically the Arctic architect of all those teams. Yep. Running running things for the Islanders. So hopefully he brings some of that success that he had with the Devils over to us, and we can have our moment too. Yeah, that would rock. I'm rooting for you. I got Islander fans uh, that are friends of mine, and they're all nice, and they all love the Islanders to the death. So I respect that, man. That's sick. Yeah, it's funny. I, like when you were telling the story about how you were five and went to your aunt's house to to watch the you know the the game six, I had almost the same exact experience, but for when the the Rangers played the Canucks in the in the Canucks. Stanley Cup in '94. Mm-hmm. Like I was about that age myself, and. I, I went to a party with my aunt and <laughs> I did, uh, and I'm an Islander fan, but just being in that, in that, you know, atmosphere, watching all these Ranger fans, just losing their minds to, to watch them win the cup was just something I'll never forget either. But it's funny. Yeah, of course, I, I felt man. like we were telling the same story. <laughs> and the other side of it too, it's just like the heartbreak when you, when you lose, it's like, I remember, um, I, I, a lot of my friends are all Ranger fans. And I remember that, uh, that series against the Kings, man, I just remember like seeing like one of my buddies just like fall on the floor and just stay there. He was, he just stayed there for like 15 minutes. Yeah. It's just like, it's like you, you invest so much emotion. I mean, you know, it's just like you, you, you just pour yourself into it. And then, you know, June rolls around and it's just like, you know, everything, you've you've put your heart and soul into is just for this moment and then you end up getting beat by the kings and it's just like man i felt for ranger fans i really did that that's you about the only time i really feel bad for for ranger fans is right yeah dude the the sadness you feel when you're that close and you lose is equivalent to the happiness you feel when you win it's just oh yeah such extreme highs and such low lows you know I, yeah, couldn't have said it better myself, man. Really. Yeah. yeah. Now, did you play a, a little puck growing up in Jersey as well? No. So I played what well, in terms of hockey, man, I played in a roller hockey league when I Sweet. was probably like mm, 10 to 14. I played roller hockey and that was honestly so awesome. I literally loved that. Um, and I tried to play ice hockey, but like I was already playing soccer at the time and I had so much time invested into that combined with the fact that like I could always ice skate, but like not to that level, you know? Yeah. Um, It's a little different once you throw like the pads on and everything. It it feels definitely way different than just like, you know, skating around open ice or whatever. Yeah. So I stuck with roller hockey and also like, literally every day every other day me and my dad and my brother would just play foot hockey in my driveway so that's all, it i mean and to be all honest, american childhood huh oh yeah and the closest right now that i get to to my ice hockey dreams are in the winter uh my buddies live on a lake and that freezes over and we go play um ice hockey like with the skates and everything on the lake and um man <laughs> I have this recurring dream I've had probably about 10 times now that I'm on the Red Wings and I win the Stanley Cup. And it, it's the most amazing dream in the world. I wish I could have it every night. Yeah, it <laughs> our, rocks, bro. Our buddy Boz in Capstan would love to hear that. 
Oh, it's Boz. Let me tell you, bro. You have no idea. It's amazing. <laughs> amazing. I'm a nine-time Stanley Cup champion. <laughs> however, however many times I had the dream. <laughs> Dude, it's really weird because, like, okay, so in my dream, the Red Wings will like are playing at Continental Airlines Arena, which is where the Devils used to play, and like, but and it's just like implied that it's there, but. In my dream, it looks like it only holds, like, 3,000 people. And, like, my aunt and my father and my grandmother are there. And there's so many people on the team that, like, you know how, like, when a team wins the cup, they all take turns, like, skating around the ice with it and, and like, and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. So there's so many people on the roster that, like, I'm going last and people like are like left already basically because it's taking so long for everyone <laughs> to skate around to the Stanley Cup that the only people that are left are my father, my aunt, and my grandmother. And I'm skating around and I'm like, yo, like, let's get dinner later. And they're like, yeah, yeah, sounds good, man. Congrats. And I'm like, thanks. And that's <laughs> where my dream ends. <laughs> it rocks. I love that you just keep having it over and over again. Dude, it's honestly mind-blowing and i feel like the fact that we're talking about it right now i'll probably have the dream tonight as well i wonder if it means like you, you know those people that just like overanalyze dreams i wonder if it means something i don't know i think like, i'm gonna go to like a psychic or something well maybe it just means all good things ahead for our boys and keep flying i hope so i hope keep flying wins the stanley cup one day honestly <laughs> be sick although mm-hmm. fun fact i have um, I have touched the Stanley Cup a couple times. So, like, I've gone to, like, the NHL Hall of Fame in Canada. Is that the real Stanley Cup in there? No. Well, okay. so, so kind of what happens is, like, over the years, they have to take rings off the real cup and, like, add new ones because they run out of space because it's so old. Right. So it might be, like, made with parts of the, the original cup. Right. If you know what I mean, like they they probably take like some of the rings off the one and just kind of put a new cup together with it. Yep. So check this out, man. So Ken Danico was a player on the Devils. Oh, of course. Yeah. Number three, he's got his jersey retired in the in the arena. Um, my dad was very good friends with him, like in the nineties. I think I guess the early eighties and to the nineties because my father is a musician as well. And he would go and play and like Candanico would go see him and a bunch of other devils. And also like a bunch of Islanders players would go see him. And, you know, I'm not going to name drop anybody. I I have no idea who was there, but I do know Candanico was there and they kept in touch. And when in 2003, when they won the cup, um, for the last time, um, Ken Danico had a party at his house in Jersey, which was about 25 minutes from me. And he like invited like all of his like friends and family and stuff. And he invited my father and my family and we went to the house and I got to touch the Stanley cup, which was there. And that was incredible. And I'll never forget it. And I was what I remember more so about touching the Stanley cup was I got to jump on the trampoline with his kids and I was eight year old. Peter was fired up about there being a big ass trampoline there. (laughs) 
Yeah, yes. that was sick. And then he also owned a restaurant somewhere near me in Jersey. Um, I don't think he owns it anymore. Um, but he, he was like owner or part owner of this Italian restaurant that we went to and the Stanley Cup was there. And there's a photo of Ken Danico, my mother and father, me giving a hug to the Stanley Cup because it was about as big oh. as I was. Oh, man. And my younger brother in diapers, must have been two and a half years old, sitting in the top of the Stanley Cup. And it's honestly amazing. I will send it to you uh, yes. once we're yes, done recording. Yes, please. Oh, my God. That is that's legendary. Dude, it's incredible. I, I'm getting the chills just thinking about it. It's honestly one of my favorite memories ever. Wow. See, and that just got, goes to show, like, hockey players are a, a, a level above any other professional athlete. A, di- a totally different breed, man. Oh, yeah. It was honestly amazing, dude. I, w- I will never forget it. And um, my aunt, like I said, used to have the season tickets. So um, they used to have something. I don't remember what it was called. But, like, one of the perks for her ticket level was um, you got to skate on the ice at the arena. And it was, like, I think, like, one or two days a season that you would get to do it. And um, I remember my parents took me out of school and we brought my skates and we skated around the ice. And like, I got to meet all the players like Scott Stevens, bro door, Danico, uh, Niedermeyer, like everybody got all their autographs. I got autographed jerseys, pictures with everybody. It was honestly amazing, dude. That is some magic that I I probably will never relive. As a young kid, doing that was literally incredible. Oh, yeah. yeah See, and was... I thought I had a cool story growing up across the street from the Islanders PA announcer. That's nothing compared to this. <laughs> Dude, it, it honestly rocks, bro. It really does. And to be honest with you, now that, like, I haven't talked about it in such a long time, but, like, I feel like I took it for granted back then because, you know, I'm eight years old. I don't realize exactly what's going on, you know? Like, I don't realize – I didn't realize how lucky I was to be doing those kinds of things, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and that, that's very similar to, you know, the situation I was in growing up across the street from the announcers. I go to games all the time and, you know, be in the press box with – players kids and players families and you know as a little kid i didn't realize how special that was but now that i think back just you know you know being in the same box as like pierre turgeon's kids like yeah you don't realize how how insanely lucky you are for that you know yeah well now now i'm just a lifelong islander fan because of those memories and it'll stick with me forever so yeah i I have I have one memory of the Islanders and it was when they were playing at the Coliseum. And I was again, probably anywhere from five to 10 years old. You know what? I'm going to ask my mother. <laughs> yep, Mom, how old was I when we went to the, the Nassau Coliseum, see the Islanders and the, the thing was so loud. How old was I? Oh God, you were like, like you're still living in Queens, baby. No, not a shot. Cause I remember I was probably like six. For Boom Boom Hub Channel for the Islanders. No, for the Islanders. Yeah, you were about six. Yeah, yeah, I must have been like 
five or six years old. And I remember nothing about the game. I don't remember what it looked like. I don't remember who they were playing. I don't even remember why. I'm assuming it was a Devils game if we were just at the Coliseum. But all I remember is Nassau Coliseum had the loudest goal horn I've ever heard in my entire life. And I don't know if it was because I was sitting right under it or anything, but I remember freaking the fuck out whenever they scored and and the horn was just blaring. I I could not stand it, and I will never forget that. You, and, and, and then, you, and then it used to go really into loud? the go into the jock jam song that they ha- they had to get rid of because the guy's a registered sex offender. No. Yeah, what's that jock jam song, Tom? That used to be the Islanders' goal song. Um. Hey. Wait, time out. That was also the New Jersey Devils song. Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that guy, they had to change their goal song because stuff came out about him. Wow. He was accused. That's crazy, yo. Yep. Damn. That's a shame. That song rocks. Yeah, so now now at least the Devils got Gaslight Anthem and they can possibly still have Gaslight yeah, Anthem. Yeah, so. not for long, bro. Every vote counts. Let, yo, if you're listening, please vote Gaslight Anthem for the New Jersey Devils goal song. Hell yeah. My goodness. All right, man. Pete, so we're coming up on like 45 minutes. I know you probably want to enjoy the, the little time you have at home, but we are... Uh, Definitely appreciate you doing this because we've been talking about keep flying on our podcast basically since the beginning of our, uh, of our show. And, uh, it's cool to, to chat a little, uh, memories you had and, you know, hear what's keep flying got coming up. So everyone be on the lookout for that because this is keep flying's year, man. Dude. Thank you for having me, bro. I'm, I'm fired up right now. Honestly, man, just, Doing this podcast fired me up, and I'm really more than ever going to be try to be into the Devils this year. Like, especially because we got a good team apparently. Like, PK Subban and uh, Jack Hughes, I think his name is right. Jack Hughes. Oh yeah, oh yeah, huge draft pick. Yeah, so apparently we're going to be really good this year. So uh, let's go, Devils. Be on the lookout for us. We're coming. And and on on the tour you're on, I'm sure those home safe guys are big hockey fans. They're from Chicago, right? Yeah, probably Hawks fans, though. Nah, I'm good on that. <laughs> well, good. you can have some friendly competition. Oh, yeah, I don't mind that. Yo, let All me right, let man. me leave you. Let me just leave you with one one because I wanted to tell a John Ryan story before we go. So Let's I'm going to leave it. you with this with this one John Ryan story. So um, me, a couple of other buddies and, and John went to um, I think it was a show up in, I want to say, Albany. Uh, maybe this is back in like 2010, 2011. We went and saw uh, Such Gold and the Wonder Years, and yeah, you know, it was just, it was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, John is famously, you know, he's he's vegan, and um, so we're we're all starving, and we're coming back, and we decide to stop at a rest area, and the rest area has a uh, a Roy Rogers, and you know, we're, we we get in there, and we're like, oh man, like like. I, it, nothing else is open. Like what, what, what's, what's John Ryan going to do? So it's, so we're like, John, man, listen, like we'll, we'll figure something out for you. And he just goes, no, I'm great. So we're all getting our food and we come back. And this is like when <laughs> Roy Rogers just had like a free condiment bar 
that had right. lettuce and tomato and onion. My man's just making like a humongous free salad out of wow. these condiments. And he just sits down. And he's just like, Tom, let me smell that burger. And he just takes like a whiff of the burger. He's like, great, going to eat this lettuce. And just we watched him like eat like probably a good pound of lettuce, tomato and like white onion that he just stole from this condiment bar. And I'll just like I'll, I will never forget that. Just watching him just chow down on this. And I was just like, unreal, dude. Unreal. So what you're telling me is he has not changed whatsoever since 2010 because he still is doing the same shit. Not a bit, man. I, I, not is, a bit. That is horrifyingly funny. And he's coming over. He'll be here in probably an hour and a half. And I'm going to ask him about that because that's hilarious. Oh, and I'm sure he'll remember it, too. And he'll probably tell you more stuff that I shouldn't talk about on air about that show. But yep, sounds good to me. Great times, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Guys, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this fucking rock. All Absolutely, right, Peter. Man. man, best of luck. Yep, I'll, travels talk to you, too. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Thanks, man. character man chat with him you know reliving uh some of the great devil's moments and uh you know getting to talk about keep flying and what's on the horizon for them and all the great stuff they're doing man was uh was really really great how did it feel filling in for the man the the myth the legend mr devin robinson i don't know man i don't i don't think i could i could make a a t-shirt worth a damn (laughs) (laughs) but uh but I had a blast, man. It's, um, I mean, it's always great getting to catch up with you. Uh, but, you know, I mean, this is, this is what I love, man. I, I, I love music. I love hockey. So, you know, I, um, I guess I should say, you know, Mr. Mr. Devin's got to watch his back because I'm coming for him, you know? No. It, people would miss Devin too much. He's just a bubbly personality. <laughs> I, no, I, I, can, I can never replace Devin, man. He's, he's, uh, he does such a great job on, on – on this show and on this cast and uh, you know, the work he's doing um, is just unbelievable. And I know it's just got to be out of control for him right now with the hockey season. And, you know, the fact that he's doing all this by hand and he's customizing stuff. So I was happy to, to fill in his, his big shoes today, but uh, definitely had a blast doing this show with you, man. Yeah. And it, it just worked out perfectly because you're, you know, obviously still involved in the music scene, but you also kind of have a little personal connection to keep flying. And, yeah. uh, Peter is just easy to talk to. I, I just oh, had yeah. a blast and 
he he's a Devils fan, and even though like the music scene in Jersey's huge too, I I it doesn't seem like there's many from our scene who are also Devils fans. So to be able to check that off is huge. I think because I think I think in general, man, it's just you know finding finding Devils fans that that fit that connection, you know, for for us for the purposes of this show, but like just in general, I think it's um. It's hard to find, so I'm, I'm I'm glad we were able to uh, to have Peter on and chat with him, you know, about the the Devils a little bit, and you know, tick that one off the list. Yeah, we 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 people doubt us. They say we can't do it, but you know, we're we're finding Edmonton Oilers fans. We're finding uh, you know New Jersey Devils fans, and you know the the original six teams. You, you know, you're gonna have fans you know all over the country all over the world for yeah so some of these smaller markets it's uh it's nice to be able to find some uh some true fans and we're gonna keep doing it until uh we we run out of people that say yes yeah. so do you do you think you'll ever find a coyotes fan honestly yes i do and we kind of had one we had a half a coyote fan on <laughs> so matt trainer oh. he, he's He's really a, a Rangers fan, but yeah. um, he, he lives in in either Scottsdale or Phoenix or whatever okay. it may be. And you know, if it's not a Rangers game, he's he's watching a, a Devil Dogs game. Okay. Or desert, not Devil Dogs. Desert, desert dogs. yeah, Desert Dogs. Yeah, exactly. Hey, man, listen. I mean, you know, I don't know. I it'd be cool to try to find like a Thrashers fan. Like at some point, like if someone was actually a Thrashers fan, I don't know if there were many of those though. Maybe Cartel, right? Cartel was from Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were that that band, um, that band Microwave. I think aren't they from? from oh Georgia? yeah, yeah, um, they are too, dude. Microwave yeah. right now. Speaking of like new music, their new yeah. album is like. When I listened to it, I Ooh. thought I was listening to a Nirvana album. Man, I so Microwave has a soft spot in my heart, man. My my friend Danny. Danny Buxa, uh, who I, I played in a band with, put me on to Microwave for their first record, Stovall, and uh, I fell in love with them. And since then, man, I, I waited with bated breath for Much Love to come out, which was their second record. That blew me away. And then, you know, Death is a Warm Blanket, uh, which uh, is just an unbelievable record. I mean, it's got 90s vibes. It's got, you know, stoner vibes. It's got, you know, alternative vibes. I mean, like, it's even got like, you know, some some choruses that even like walk the line of like these disco drums, man. I mean, the things they put into that record, unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, I I only listened once through, and I just couldn't get over like the '90s vibe I was getting. So maybe I need to listen to it again to get some of those other levels yeah, that you're talking um, about. I'll tell you, man. For me, the standout track on that record, I believe it's called "Carry." Uh, it's like one of the second to last songs on the record. Um, I mean, that that's that's the one for me because that one really mixes what I loved about the first two microwave records and, you know, the kind of ethos that they put into this new record and they just pulled it off perfectly. But the story they tell with that record is just, it, it, it's, it's wild. It's really wild. And, uh, but, you know, that's just kind of some of the new music that, that that's coming out. I mean, 2019 has been a hell of a year for new well, music. I'm, I'm pretty sure another album came out that same day as that Microwave album. And I think it was that er, that new early November album. If well, early November. Same, no, it wasn't the same, the same weekend. It was like 
the same, same month. Same month, yeah. Uh, I think Microwave came out uh, a couple of weeks before, but yeah, that early November record, man. I mean, you know, we we talk about it at length, but I mean, they're, the really what they were able to do for their personal careers as musicians with Lilac is just uh, is really astounding. You know, we we talk about it again at length, but just the fact that they were able to kind of break through the conventions of the old band that they were and being able to kind of leave that mold and write music that's, you know, still personal, but much more mature is, uh, is really a testament to what's going to keep them afloat in this, you know, kind of 2019 culture of new music where everything is changing and bands are adapting. Um, you know, the early November really strive to, to do that. And um, and they did, man, with this record. So, you know, when you listen to, to what we have to say about it, you know, I hope you guys uh, you know have some opinions yourself and you can certainly let us know. But uh, get a chance, man. Pop on Spotify, Apple Music or, or just go buy the record and you won't be disappointed. Lilac's a good one, a real good one. Now, where do you feel like they fit like on a touring bill these days? Like who who do you think <laughs> of the bands that are, you know, doing things right now? I mean, Where do you think that, they've, that record, yeah, with that album, that's tough because I mean, so, you know, they've still got their, you know, their kind of alternative rock sensibility in there, but it's a lot more polished and a lot more depth. I mean, I could see them and I mean, I, this parallel is probably easy to make because of, um, of, uh, Joe in the early November, who's their, uh, their guitar player, Joe Marrow. Um, he manages foxing. And um, I can see them touring with Fox and given Foxing's, you know, newest album, um, which is, uh, you know, Foxing's newest album is a little bit more out there, uh, you know, in terms of the musicality. But in terms of it being um, having pop sensibility, it's there. So I could definitely see them them going out and touring together. But I mean, you know, you've got uh, I mean, I, I could see them jumping on a tour with with a band like Paramore. I mean, if you look at Paramore's trajectory from, you know, a record like uh, Riot to, you know, their newest record, um, After Laughter, I mean, like, a total transformation, but they transformed in the direction of a, of a more pop-centric band, which is what the early November is, is doing. And uh, so I could see them definitely, you know, going out as, as, you know, support and probably doing really well with that new record. Now, it's so funny that you didn't make this comparison because... I was really expecting you to do it, and I just got like a May vibe. Yeah, you know, I, and I guess I didn't make that comparison. Uh, now that I think about it, I definitely could. But you know what the thing with May is? I mean, have you had the opportunity to listen to the newest May record? Honestly, I did not even know that they were still a thing. Yeah, they they put out a record, um, and I mean, I listened to it a couple of times, and I haven't revisited it, but. Um, May's one of those bands that they're they're also doing some weird things. I mean, like they're still doing that that May formula where they're writing these just big, you know, bold kind of very musical songs, but like they're starting to kind of incorporate some elements of like electronic and all this kind of stuff, which um I felt when I listened to May's newest record was just like too much. You know, I guess there's a certain degree where you can adapt and ad and adjust your sound to make it better by adding those elements. But then 
sometimes when you're adding too many elements or when you're adding elements when they don't seem natural and they're just kind of forced and and robotic it's just like it doesn't lend to your music so may kind of went off my radar but i could see what you're saying though because may bands like may um that band owl who are great you know are kind of big into the um these like big broad you know pop songs almost anthemic kind of pop songs um you know so definitely the parallels are there definitely yeah well i guess um we were going to talk about that record in depth but i think what we accomplished in this outro um just because we don't want everyone to tune out but we'll keep it at that um other than that tom it it really has been just a blast being able to talk with you for so long yeah man you know you're down in florida i'm in north carolina um we're both doing our work thing so to just be able to have this conversation and then uh be able to chat with peter and talk about one of my favorite bands at the time yeah uh for a tuesday night i'd say it was a great success (laughs) my life (laughs) (laughs) yeah dude i'm definitely into it man i would i would uh you know, love to talk new music with you guys again. Maybe you know I can I can hop on a, a show or two as we go. But I kind of want to take uh, you like, out of your comfort level. Like early November is your comfort level. Like you've sure. been a fan of them from the beginning. But like oh yeah, some of this new music that I'm really digging. Like you know we had uh, Doug from that band Barons. Okay. You, know, you, you probably haven't listened to them much because they're you know one of the younger up and coming bands. But they they put out a few new tracks that I think are fantastic so like stuff like that like trying to get you uh into what's young and hip and see uh what you think about the current state of music hey from, man listen like, from an old I'm always all, perspective i'm always all for it man i i love listening to new music i mean you, you know how i have i've always been man i've always been on the lookout for for new and great stuff but i'd love to check out something new and uh give you my uh my insight on it but uh I will tell you the truth, though. Like, I, you know, I'm looking at the coming months, and you got a new Jimmy Eat World record coming out. Um, you've got a new Menzingers record coming out, a new City and Color record coming out next week. And I mean, that stuff's my bread and butter. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one for one. You know, maybe I can, you know, get here on here and talk about, uh, you know, the new City and Color record, and then, you know, maybe you could push me out of my comfort zone because, I mean, I'm sure we could have a great conversation about our old pal Dallas and how much we love him, you know? Yeah. Uh, I didn't even know he had something new coming out because I'm so into like the pop punk world right yeah. now. I can't get out of it. It's crazy. Yeah. But that's like, but like I, music like to I my said, ears. Keep it, you know, keep an eye out, man. I mean, next for releases next week, you've got this new city and color record coming out. Obviously the Menzingers have a new record coming out called hello exile, which I am super pumped for. And then Bayside's got uh, Interabang coming out too yes. next week. So yes. big and big speaking week of which, for- I got a fantasy hockey draft with Nick Bayside in thirty minutes that I need to prepare for. Oh boy! All right, so, man. Well, listen, I'll let you get at it, man. But uh, like I said, it's been a blast being on, chatting with you. Let's do it again sometime. All right. All right. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for uh, filling in for for Devon, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Anytime, man. Talk to you. Yeah. Peace be with you. And also with you. Your bags are packed and waiting by the door. You're ready to call. Well, I just don't know what the fuck to do when I miss 